0: Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as The Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide. For the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at AnnaTheSpiritualMidwife at gmail.com and maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth Podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to season seven of the Natural Birth Podcast. It is so much fun to be back again after my long break. It's been seven weeks since I last aired an episode and seven weeks since I left Australia and moved back to Sweden, which is my homeland. And let me tell you, it has been a turbulent Few weeks of obviously jet lag in the beginning and then bit of holidaying and then crash landing back into reality and now I'm in between trying to find a permanent home over here, starting up the business over here with the spiritual midwife, and oh my goodness, let me tell you, I think I was a bit naive and thought it would go much quicker. Anyways, you live, you learn, and I'm finally back to work, which means as well, back interviewing for the Natural Birth Podcast and editing and doing all of these beautiful things um, as well in the background. I'm also back at coaching again, assisting women who want to prepare for a natural birth and a nourishing postpartum, who want to potentially go through releasing some fears before their birth, or maybe wanting to work through their birth trauma from a previous birth so that they can clear that and feel more ready for their second or third or just upcoming birth, I guess. Anyways, I love interviewing for this podcast and preparing these episodes for you all. I know a lot of you are finding great value in listening And that just brings me so much joy. Don't think that your emails, comments or likes goes unnoticed because I deeply, deeply appreciate all your love. Actually, it was my birthday last weekend. I turned 35. And if you'd like to give me a present, then I'd be so very, very grateful if you wanted to take a minute out of your time right now And like the Natural Birth Podcast on iTunes and leave a comment, because not only does it make me insanely happy reading your lovely comments, it also helps me reach more mamas around the world who could benefit from these stories and the birthing wisdom within them. Thank you so, so much. So let's dive in to today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Monica. Monica is the organic naturopath, and she's a mom of one from Australia. She's also a nutritionist as well as a naturopath. And in this episode, we will hear her sharing her wealth of knowledge with us in helping us learning all the medicine nature has in store for us. We will dive in to learning about herbs and steams and mushrooms and tinctures for preconception and how to prepare your body vessel to carry a child and about pregnancy remedies and how you can prepare for birth and for your postpartum with all the healing and nurturing herbs that are out there. It's really jammed packed episode so do bring out paper and pen and be ready to listen to this one for a few times to really get all the gems that monica has been popping out left right and center as we were speaking if you're curious about monica find her at theorganicnaturopath.com hi monica and welcome to the natural birth podcast how are you today
1: I am really well, thank you. Thank you for having me I am from so different excited. sides yeah. of the
0: world. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm all the way over in Sweden now and uh, you're my first interview while being in Sweden. And uh, today we have a special bonus episode because today we are going to talk all about herbs and uh, natural remedies and potions uh, for both preconception, uh, pregnancy and the postpartum. We're just going to flow with that and see how much we can cram in. Maybe we'll have to get you back one day if we can't cram it all in today because I know that you have a wealth of knowledge being the organic naturopath. So today's not a birth story, today's all about the herbs you can use and the potions and tinctures you can use um, as a woman wanting to get pregnant or a pregnant mama or a postpartum mama. So, yay, I'm so excited that you wanted to come on. I wanted to have you on for a few months and I'm so happy we finally got here to this place and could find a time for both of us to have a chat.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. And my favorite topic is herbal medicine because it's something that just fascinates me um, even after many years of research and knowledge how these plants want to communicate with the cells in our body is something I'm always learning about um, and you can look at that a couple of different ways you can see it in the forest when you see something as simple as the fungi or the mushrooms which you know I'll talk a little bit about soon, even how we can incorporate those into pregnancy and pre-pregnancy, which ones are safe and which ones are going to actually help the baby as its bones and its sinew are developing. Um, So even the fungi in the forest, even the littlest things in the rainforest have a purpose and a medicine. And then you can see the way that nature will communicate with us as well when for example you get a cow that's that's eating a bush that's eating a plant and then over time the plant doesn't want to cease existing so it starts to make its leaves a little bit bitter it starts to change its properties so that the cow doesn't enjoy eating it so much and the plant remains. And this is a really common scenario. Um, We've seen this in different farms all over the world. We've seen this even in vegetable crops, for example. And then different herbal medicine companies have also gotten really good at being able to isolate these constituents and find ways where we can keep the plant as whole and intact as possible so that communication is still taking place. So the same way, you know, um, a plant can communicate with a cow it can also can communicate with human cells as well. And that is just fascinating, that communication that's taking place between us and nature is amazing and what a better time than when you know you're planning on springing a little seed baby as well yeah so yeah yeah it's amazing and herbal medicine um like you said before it can be used in so many different stages so it can be used in that preconception part where you know you're really wanting to not just increase your fertility and your chances of conceiving a baby, but you want to really be in the healthiest place possible for that baby to thrive in the womb, and that you're going to enjoy your pregnancy more as well. Yes, so, you know, exactly. You might to be really still some crying in the pillow, not knowing what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> But in general, you can kind of glide through it a bit more and experience more of the bliss of pregnancy where you just feel amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, you know, the birth and postpartum as well. So, yeah, um, you know, I was saying to you before, it's really fascinating because There can be, I know, in the West a little bit of this conception of, oh, are herbs safe in pregnancy? Are they not? But when we look at the research, at least one in two women are using herbal medicine in pregnancy. So it's actually very, very common. Mm. And it's common among all cultures of the world. So, you know, you can't isolate it to, you know, one culture or one type of people's. It's also found that, you know, the more educated a woman is, the more she is likely to seek out herbal medicine, the more she's likely to to do her research and go, oh, hold on. While there are some herbs that we don't want to use in pregnancy, there are a lot of really common ones that are really safe. And we're seeing that accepted in mainstream medicine, in some cultures as as well as alternatives so you know a simple example we see it accepted is you know so many women use ginger for nausea now and morning sickness so that's mm. one example of a herb that's become very mainstream and that you know most medical practitioners are very easily going to accept as yet yeah, that is a herb that is definitely going to help with your nausea but I guess coming back a bit, so starting at the beginning, um, preconception. Yes, so, you know, exactly. we're looking at um, both the female and the male, ideally. Traditionally, you do like a little bit of a detox. So you'd work on your liver herbs, your dandelions, St. Mary's mixes, turmeric. They're really great herbs to be having. So we're clearing all those liver pathways so that we're going to have optimal levels of hormones. The mm. other thing, of course, in our modern world is so many of us are working a lot, are very stressed, are very mm. tired, and this is going to impact on our sex hormones as well. And so your adaptogen herbs are really important, With mm. withenia, rhodiola. Mm. anything that's going to help your cortisol be reduced is going to have a big impact on fertility as well so we're looking at detoxing ideally if we have the time and we're also looking at balancing stress hormones as well and that's just going to set us up for really ideal conception
0: What kind of time frame would you talk about as well as a naturopath? I I know, you know, we recommend at least, as midwives, at least three months to prepare both as a woman and as a man uh, to do that, Mm. to do the cleansing, to do the detoxing, to... Because we know that we today as modern people carry so much toxins in our blood, right? And unfortunately, we know that a lot of these toxins, for example, from plastic, uh, they mimic the hormones, right? So they go through the placenta into the baby. And so all these are really important things to think about in, if you are planning, if you have that kind of time that you can dedicate a minimum of three months to you know, reduce the plastic, to... Do all these cleanses, mm. and I love, I would love to hear as a naturopath what kind of advice you have with time frames and also how to kind of live a more clean life to really optimize reducing as much of those toxins and chemicals in our blood so that that doesn't go through the baby, but also obviously both men and women to conceive as much of a healthy, you know, thriving yeah. fetus as possible.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question, and you're right, three months is ideal. And the other reason three months is ideal is if there's any hormone imbalances that we want to support the female with especially, that takes time. I mean, you think about it, we obviously have a monthly cycle, so hormonal changes are going to take time. Mm. And herbs that are particularly good for pre pregnancy hormone balancing are things like chase tree, which also then help prevent miscarriage later on. Mm. And It's a great point. You're so right. There are so many chemicals found in the baby's umbilical cord, even that go through to breastfeeding later on as well. So we want to also look at reducing as many toxins in your household environment as you can. So the things that you're washing your dishes with, that you're washing your clothes with, your personal hygiene, body products as well that are all going through your skin, Mm. these are all going to have a big impact. Now, the only time when we might consider more than three months would depend on the occupation. So somebody who, for example, is a spray painter, he might be exposed to a lot more chemicals, a hairdresser who's using a lot of the chemical dyes, Mm. they're going to have a slightly higher toxic buildup in general. So we would want to give them a bit longer. This is, you know, in an optimum world, of course, there are plenty of situations where, surprise, Mm -hmm. you don't really get this preparation time. But in an ideal world, um, yeah. It's definitely you want to make time. And you want to make time as well to make sure you've gone through the organs. So we want to work on the liver, the digestive system. We want to have a full-on flow effect. And that does take time. So everything that you're doing, your household products are a big thing. What you're eating also going to have a really big impact. Even just simple things like looking at reducing your caffeine has a big impact on fertility. So it doesn't always need to be. I not
0: know that about it's
1: caffeine. Crazy things. It, it just needs to be simple things done consistently over time. So, caffeine for both the male and the female, there's so much research and so many studies showing that even reducing by half, let's say if a man is having two caffeinated drinks a day, if he was to reduce it to one, that has a big impact on his sperm's health and motility. Wow. Um, and the same goes for females as well. yeah, not to mention of course, if you're somebody's drinking a lot of caffeine, it's gonna be much more pleasant to reduce that slowly before you're pregnant than get then have to <laughs> reduce your caffeine quite um, steadily. yeah um, but thing. yeah that's such a simple way. what you're doing every day, your daily habits. So like I was saying, what you're washing your dishes with, what you're washing your clothes with, what you're brushing your teeth with, Mm. all of those habits over time. um, It's not something we would associate with fertility is, hey, what am I brushing my teeth with? And this is actually going to have some impact on how, you know, much easier it is for me to conceive and how my toxin load is going to be reduced during pregnancy. But it is all these simple daily things we're doing that have a big impact learning to meditate can be really valuable as well. Physically, it's just a way of sitting with your body enough that the body can release stress hormones. So it's not so much about the meditation experience itself. It doesn't have to be a necessarily very pleasant meditation, but it's about the flow and effect it's going to have after that meditation of bringing that cortisol down and helping the body to release stress from the nervous system
0: yeah because a lot um, of people think that when you meditate you fail if your mind is busy but it's not about yeah. that is it it's about just sitting quietly watching that crazy mind chatting to you and yeah. realize that you're not that mind and realize that those thoughts are actually not you they're just gonna go crazy in there whether or not you want it or not and um, yeah and also just being with your body right just just being with the Mm -hmm. breath and, and allowing yourself to feel all the feels and feel all the aches or whatever it is. And as you do that, they kind of release, don't they?
1: Absolutely. It's absolutely about that stress release. So some meditations you have might feel really calm and pleasant and some might feel quite crazy and hectic (laughs) because there's a lot of stress to be released and a lot of thoughts that the mind is going through as it's unraveling Mm. and this is a really good habit for the body to have some way of physically releasing stress Mm. not to mention later on when you do conceive it's beautiful to take some time to sit and connect with the baby as well so the sooner you can learn these habits the sooner you can make these changes the more of a flow and effect and the more they're going to be set up as new habits and a new lifestyle when you have conceived your baby yes so all all these little daily habits are huge yeah
0: this is so important not just in pregnancy obviously to to have that ability to really be present with your baby and maybe do a bit of meditation with your baby. I actually have a free meditation I'll link down below, but also in birth, you know, when we birth our babies to be able to um, focus your mind and to turn within and find the strength within. And if you've been sitting in meditation, you're going to have much easier access to that space within you and maybe less go into fear or the spiralling effect of of letting the contractions take over your mind. Yay.
1: It's exactly right. You're not going to go from doing no exercise to running a marathon in one day. (laughs) It's, it's, well, it would be very unpleasant for you if you try to do that. So it's all about, yeah, that's right, practice, daily habits. Mm. And if we can give ourselves that preconception time of detoxing mm. so that we're going through our diet and our lifestyle habits, we're getting in the habit of, of taking really nourishing herbs, then that marathon it can feel like of pregnancy, we're gonna be <laughs> and birth and raising we're gonna be much better equipped to run that marathon yeah.
0: yeah yes absolutely thank you so much for mentioning that so um to all the women listening now that wants to optimize um their pre-pregnancy state they want to be really fertile and juicy and mm-hmm. have an optimal health in their womb and also in their body they're nourished and ready to to carry a baby detox is number mm-hmm. one you mentioned some herbs which where were they they were dandelion
1: and Yeah, dandelion, turmeric, St. Mary's, ideally ones that you can taste. There's nice bitter herbs. Mm. They're also, dandelion in particular, it's going to help clear out any excess estrogen. It's going to help bile release. So it's going to help toxins be released from the bowel as well. Mm. So it's fantastic preparation. Healthy hormones, more likely to conceive, healthy hormones, less likely to feel as much nausea and morning sickness in that first trimester because the liver is better prepared to deal with the hormone changes more effectively. Beautiful. So it's very crucial. Yeah. And chase tree is a beautiful herb for preconception. Especially if a woman has a history of miscarriage as well. Um, It is really going to help with those healthy progesterone levels. So it is a beautiful herb. And you only need such a small amount of chaste tree, whether that's in a tincture or in a tea, for it to be effective. Mm. So
0: it's really beautiful. Is that Um, something you would do for three months straight or would you do that? How would you take that?
1: Yeah, I would do chaste tree for three months because it's working on the hormone cycle and progesterone that does take time mm. um, it really depends so if a woman has also had um, some difficulty conceiving and we are thinking we need some extra hormone support you could do chase tree as a tincture or as a really strong tea and you could also look at doing wild yam cream as well it And that you would use for three months. And that is a cream that you use topically, actually. So it just goes near your glands. So you're rotating. Sometimes it might be the glands through the neck, armpits, thighs. Mm. But it's also a beautiful herb that works really well topically at balancing progesterone. So it makes you very
0: fertile. Right. (laughs) I know that. uh yeah I'm three i connect that with uh, menopause and to assist that but obviously as you say yeah it's uh, it yes. would be great for for women as well that needs to balance their estrogen okay
1: yeah yeah you're right it can go both ends of the mm-hmm. cycle of hormones and the spectrum of the maiden to the crone um they both can be really valuable and that's simply because um with herbs we know that you know, with medicine, we often can put a drug into a box because mm. it can only be used in a certain way, but herbs have a much broader use. And so because it's balancing progesterone and we need that when we're getting pregnant and we also really need that when we're going through menopause, we actually have this same product that works spectacularly at either side of the end. So when you're trying to have a baby to when that's the last thing on your mind anymore. Yeah. Right. Gorgeous.
0: Okay. Anything else you would say for a woman who wants to prepare her body?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really going to depend on, you know, her personal history. So, you know, I see a lot of women with PCOS, for example, and so then we do the peony and licorice combination, for a woman who, you know, she might have a really low sex drive, for example, or just might be really fatigued, then a beautiful herb we use is Shatavari. Um, it's actually an Ayurvedic herb, so it's originally from India, and in India they nicknamed it Um, the herb of the woman who has five husbands, which sounds like way too many for me personally. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awful. Um, I'm like, keep that herb away from me. But what it does is it's, it's helping with the production of all of your sex hormones. And it's doing that for a couple of ways. It's doing that by supporting the adrenal glands, it's doing that by supporting the nervous system as well mm-hmm. um, and it's beautiful. And once again, we can use Shatavari for that woman who is tired, low-sex drive she's trying to conceive, and we can also use it for similar presentations after birth as well for that woman who is also mm-hmm. really tired, not feeling like all of her hormones have come back online yet. So mm-hmm. once again, same herb different stages both works really really well
0: yeah. but should you not use it during pregnancy because you said now pre-pregnancy and postpartum
1: yeah so herbs like chase tree and shatavari they can be taken in the first trimester but they're not necessarily needed so usually once you would find out that you've conceived you would start to taper off the chase tree and the shatavari Mm -hmm. Um, and then to be honest that first trimester we're really seeing how we feel if we feel really well then during that first trimester we focus on food and rest if you know I see a woman who is very nauseous very unwell then we're going to usually give a combination of ginger some St Mary's thistle once again we're getting that liver to detoxify excess hormones Um, And this is going to be more common in a woman who hasn't done that preconception detoxification and care. But like I said, that um, preconception care, as ideal as it is, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So then Ginger and St Mary's works really well. Um, And then it becomes more in the second trimester and the third trimester where herbal medicine care really starts to come on board. So by the second trimester, we're wanting to start to build and prepare because, you know, the baby is starting to grow. We've got the placenta online. So that's when we're looking at more of your nourishing herbs now. That's when we're getting in some nettle. That's Mm. when we're starting the red raspberry leaf. That's Mm. when we're also starting with echinacea. So we're really supporting the mum's immune system and the baby's Mm. developing immune system as well. So it's really beautiful. Mm, beautiful. When it comes to herbs in mushrooms, though, in the mushroom form, this is a bit different. So in traditional Chinese medicine, there is talk and there's studies of what they would call reishi babies, which <laughs> is just the sweetest term. I just love the term reishi babies. Um, and, you know, it's something that they've practiced for so long. And reishi is such a safe herb herb. Um, pre-pregnancy and throughout all the trimesters so ratio we use to support immunity ratio we use also to help us be really calm and focused so it's fantastic for anybody who is feeling a bit anxious or feeling a bit overwhelmed and the thing with there's sometimes some herbs that we take short term and there's some that the longer we take them, the more benefit they have because they're toning the organs. So red raspberry leaf that we're taking ideally from the start of the second trimester onwards is one example. The longer we take it, the more we're toning the uterus. Mm. So it's it's not something we really want to take short term. A lot of women leave that red raspberry leaf tea. Or extract to right before the birth, and that's still going to have some benefit. But what it tends to have more of a benefit than if I haven't been taking it for a long time is helping with um, postpartum uterus coming back to its normal Mm. size. But if you were taking it right from the second trimester, you get more of the benefit of toning that uterus and really strengthening it, ready for pushing. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah, getting Um, strong. And the ratio is the same. Yeah ratio we want to take over a long period of time because then we're helping the mother's immune system which we know can change a lot during pregnancy you mm. can switch from what we call a th1 to a th2 so why some women will say oh my allergies have come back or the opposite i don't have as many allergies while i'm pregnant um so there is that change in immunity as well and that's why ratio is can be really beautiful to take throughout all of pregnancy and also pre-pregnancy yeah and pre-pregnancy and the studies were just showing that these reishi babies that are born tend to you know (laughs) be a more happy content baby because it's had its nervous system and its immune system really supported and toned with this as well so is reishi
0: uh, something you would just naturally take every day this is there a need to have a break in between sometimes i know for example chase tree wouldn't take more than three months maybe before you have some sort of yeah. break and stuff so but ratio you just incorporate daily in your in your life
1: yeah that's right so it's one of those herbs that the longer you take it the more it benefits you Well mm. you're right herbs like chase tree are your short term They're there for a short amount of time to do their work and they work more beneficially in that time period. Taking it longer isn't going to lead to any more benefits. Mm. But you do have some herbs that are designed to be taken for long periods of time and the longer you take them, the more that they are toning the organs and the more benefit they have. So reishi can definitely be taken throughout all of pregnancy um, and it, it will benefit the mother and the baby. And postpartum Um, as well? Yeah, and postpartum as well. So the only other mushroom that you can take apart from reishi during pregnancy is eucomia bark. Now, it's interesting because eucomia bark is used for sometimes with people with arthritis, for joint pain, and you're thinking, so why would I be taking it during pregnancy? And the reason being is that it's helping with bone and cartilage production, so it's, it's helping knit a nice, strong baby while it's in the womb and it's helping mum with that collagen production as, you know, she's going to expand and, and come back a- again. So they're the two mushrooms that are not just safe but are beneficial, but your other mushrooms we tend to stay, stay away from during pregnancy and preconception.
0: Okay, I haven't yeah. heard about that. How do you say, you call me a bark? Yes,
1: you said it right. Oh, yeah. How, how do you spell yeah. that,
0: you call me a bark with a
1: Y? Oh, that's that's <laughs> asking me now. <laughs> with an E. I'm like, it's E-U-C. I'm like, how old? Oh, I'm okay. pretty sure it's two N's, I-A. I, yeah. I yeah. just remember you with oh, Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I'll have
0: to look that up. I haven't heard about that one before. Call me a bark. Interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. thank you just need a strong baby um and then yeah then of course herbs now right before you know we're preparing for birth and we're also preparing for breastfeeding as well so preparing for breastfeeding can actually start in that third trimester and those first weeks before you're due and of course you can do this through diet like you can that having your lactation cookies and all of those kind of beneficial foods while you're still pregnant. And that's only going to be beneficial because you're going to get all these B vitamins, you're going to have all these oats that help in so many different ways Um, with that better glucose production, for example, that helps with breast milk. But we can also do the same with herbs as well. So, um, for example, Lithania is a, is a beautiful herb as that we can start taking the last few weeks of pregnancy and postpartum as well. And one of the things I love about Lithania is there was a really interesting study done showing that um, the babies of mothers who are breastfeeding and were taking Lithania, also called ashwagandha, were more likely to be of a healthy weight, So, and the only thing that, you know, the scientists could suggest is that it comes down to mum being, you know, less stressed, Mm. more balanced cortisol, and that that's going to have a flow on effect on her baby's weight, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes
0: sense also, as we know, that stress or a stressful event causes you to maybe the milk to come in late or to come in less. Yeah. Yep. So that definitely helps Do you want a natural birth, mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body mind and soul Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? then The Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com.
1: So that that was a beautiful study. So in a mix, like right before we're getting ready for birth, we're getting ready for that fourth trimester. In a mix, I would put some with any so that's I Ashwagandha, keep, the same thing. Yeah, Ashwagandha with Kenya, Yeah. Mm. Um, a little bit of echinacea can be really For good me. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to keep mom and baby really well and to have lots of energy as well. Yeah. And sometimes cranberry can be good as well. Okay. You know, which we're looking at really keeping the bacteria ideal. The other thing, so I just um Thought to mention as well that I I had forgotten is I have been helping a lot of women who test positive for strep B. Mm. Um, So I I don't know how it works overseas as well, but in Australia, as you know, um, they do a vaginal swab and they test mothers for strep B. And if they test positive, then they usually suggest antibiotics sometimes even intravenous antibiotics, so where you have to get hooked up to a drip and giving antibiotics during labour, which yeah. on so many levels is, you know, uncomfortable and it's going to really impede on your birth situation, not to mention that it's not an ideal time to be taking antibiotics <laughs> um, either. Mm. So, yeah, I, and i found this actually so far, all the women I've treated have responded really well To really simple herbs so we i make them a mix and the mix would have saint mary's once again we're getting the liver primed a bit of ginger a bit of echinacea astragalus Mm -hmm. as well we're using that short term and sometimes even depending on the stage of pregnancy a little bit of fenugreek Mm. and this has worked really well they take their tincture twice a day that also do probiotics, which they're also taking twice a day and also using internally, and I've had quite a few women then retest after two weeks, sometimes ten days. It depends on how much time they have got yeah. um, and come back with a negative result. So that's been really great as well because then they've been able to avoid antibiotics. So mm-hmm. there are times when we're not just taking herbs during pregnancy to support us in you know the pregnancy and helping the baby grow really well but we can often treat things as well when they come up and so Mm. um i'm definitely not wanting to guilt any mother out there if you know she's tested positive for strep b and she needed antibiotics or whatnot but i just want to let people know there are options yeah great they are easy options Mm. in this case really simple herbs And they're effective and they're affordable. I'm not recommending someone's Mm. taking like 10 different supplements. Um, It's always about how can we get where we need to go in the shortest course possible. So strep B is, is something that can be treated really well during pregnancy with herbal medicine
0: oh this is Which great is information and yeah because that's so different i mean in only in australia you have different treatments for group strep. if you're in new south wales or if you're in queensland right so in queensland they don't swab they just say if you seem to have an infection during your labrum birth you know then they treat you for that but if you are asymptomatic they don't so they don't check regularly like they do in new south wales and obviously around the world It's just different treatments wherever you are. So it's great for mamas to know that there is, you know, a simple way to to potentially treat that and not have to go through that uh, choosing of whether or not to use antibiotics.
1: Yeah. Look, I just feel like, you know, there's so many things that can come up during pregnancy. Pregnancy can be quite a wild ride sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many different testings and whatnot. You know, there's gestational diabetes that can come up there's, you know, high blood pressure. And knowing that there are some safe herbs that people can take while they're pregnant that are going to support their outcomes in these situations is really empowering. So gestational diabetes, for example, and of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't get medical help that's appropriate. This is just about supporting what you're already doing to help you with better outcomes. So you can actually take um small amounts of gymnema if you've got gestational diabetes as well obviously under the supervision of a naturopath or a herbalist mm. but you're much less likely to have that gestational diabetes extend or you know or worsen as well so that's a really, really big one
0: beautiful right.
1: and yeah. And with you know high blood pressure as well, there's also herbs that can support that. Even as simple as a tincture, small amount of chamomile is really really safe. I mean, hmm. chamomile is you know we can give to babies, to, to you know newborn babies can have the smallest amounts of chamomile. So once again, it's a really safe herb. Does have quite an effective effect. So. It's it's just knowing that you've got options mm. and that they are affordable and and effective as well. So it, it's really empowering. It's beautiful
0: love that and so yeah i mean listening to you it sounds like every pregnant woman who wants to go the natural route should definitely have a consultation with a naturopath um, pre-conception and yeah make a little plan and and there can be so much help to be gained from seeing a naturopath before during and after pregnancy as well so is there something more you'd like to share about uh, pregnancy and how to prepare for birth maybe
1: Oh yes. <laughs> That's a really good one. And there's so much you can do. I think a lot of women I speak to get a bit overwhelmed. And of course it has to be with whatever you're comfortable with and you know what you would like to try. Mm-hmm. And that can that can change the more babies you have as well. So, <laughs> so you know, I actually find steaming with herbs. Um, in a way that's really safe. So obviously, you know, we don't want anything too hot um, yeah. down there. Mm-hmm. but if we're steaming in a way that is really safe, this is actually something I've found with so many clients gives them really good results because, you know, we're going straight to the area. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to start so literally we're using dried herbs for this. This is, We're not using tinctures. And we're going to put them in warm water and steep them. And you're going to be sitting over them for about 15 minutes. So there's a few ways you can do this. Um, I mean, there's very fancy stools that you can buy online in different places, but they tend to be quite pricey. Or just a chair. that has got, you know, holes, got ventilation. It's usually going to be the most comfortable, the most affordable and something that a lot of people will already have. And so if you're placing the herbs underneath it, you're either wrapping a towel around yourself or wearing a really long skirt. And if you're doing this daily, you could start usually from about eight months. You're going to have a fantastic ability to start to cleanse that birth canal, start to get it ready. So we would still want to be using the same red raspberry leaf that you'd be drinking, would also be going into this mix. Um, a little bit of red clover can also be really helpful We're starting to prepare the skin. A little bit of the herb horsetail, because it's going to help with silica. We're wanting lots of collagen in this area. Is going to be really beautiful. Lemon balm, also really beautiful, a bit of rose petals even. There's so many different herbs that we can use in this situation, but that particular blend works really, really well, yeah. And Um, you
0: would say it would be safe to use this from eight months every day or how would you recommend to do this?
1: Yeah, I would do it every day from eight months is usually my Mm. recommendation. I mean, if women are scared, you're just thinking it's literally like putting tea near the area, really. Mm. It's just a bit of steam, but that steam is coming up and getting into those tissues. Mm. So it it can make a very big difference as a practice. Mm um leading up Um, and it can be really
0: relaxing as well just helping it almost almost can help you meditate you can meditate for those 15 minutes feeling that warmth allowing your muscles to relax for you to open and visualize your dream birth you can really create a ritual with it
1: yes that's that's beautiful absolutely yeah there are meditations you can get just for steaming But it would be a fantastic time to be focusing on, you know, your hypnobirthing, your visualisation, your connection, Mm. your intentions, you know, your connection of how you want your birth to go. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. And it doesn't matter what time of day you do it. You know, you can do it in the morning or night. Obviously, it's going to have the same effect. It's more about finding that way in your routine that you can make it a really good habit. And we're toning these tissues. So if you've been doing this beautiful preconception work, you've been taking these herbs throughout pregnancy that are working on your immune system, that are helping grow your baby, that are preparing the uterus from the inside out, we're also then doing this practice that's really going to tone the tissues mm. using these plants as medicine and they have a really good result. So I actually really strongly recommend it. I've found, yeah, from clients and even from friends and family who've done this and who haven't done this, they have found that it's given them a lot of benefits. So we, all, we want to be topical as well as systemic.
0: Yeah. Um, and would you... Would you also maybe potentially do this preconception just to also um, just have a healthy vaginal flora or to maybe just focusing more of your loving attention to this area in your body?
1: Yeah, you absolutely can, especially for women who, say, have different discharge or find they've got a lot of brown blood in their period, so we're seeing a lot of old blood, a lot of stagnation, Um, it's almost preconception some women even use what yoni pearls they're called so what they are is little very little very little bags of dried herbs that have got a string on it and you actually leave them in for 24 to 48 hours and go to the toilet with them go everything as usual like I said they're really quite small but they have drawing herbs that help bring out old mucus, old cells, Mm. and they're really powerful. So you'd only use one and then not use another one again for seven days, Mm. but that is a preconception. So you can Google that, Yoni pills. You can try and make your own as well, Um, but they're available in most countries um will be able to get yoni pearls and then there's specific herbs that yeah are drawing and and doing those beautiful actions Mm. so um yeah yeah Um, and if
0: you would do a yoni steam preconception what kind of herbs would you put to to balance maybe yeah balance your hormones or yeah how would you nurture
1: yeah yeah that I'd be looking at more drawing herbs so more like yarrow more elderflower um those those herbs that are really going to draw anything out of the tissues um yeah anything with yarrow is going to be fantastic elderflower um, you can also put in some hormone-balancing herbs as well, like a little bit of motherwort can be beautiful, it's relaxing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah, my focus would just be slightly different then. Um, yeah, we're almost wanting that that cleansing of the womb, so to speak, yeah. as well before it goes to, you know, implantation.
0: Mm. Mm. And is there any time specifically in the month you would do a yoni steam pre-pregnancy?
1: Um, I, I really think it's important to focus on it with steaming. It works best when done consistently. It's like meditation. So that small daily habit. Now some people will say, you know, some people say with chree, I'll only take it for, you know, two weeks of the month or whatnot. However, it becomes it becomes confusing, I find, for most of my clients who are really busy and they want to keep things really simplified and the benefit of only really doing it some part of the month or doing it consistently it seems to give much more benefit to do it consistently so you could make it a habit even if you know it was those five days during the week the same way I often say with diet to people if you can do Monday to Friday if you can eat really well Monday to Friday. Now, I won't worry too much if there's a meal or two on the weekend if you give yourself that, but if you just tell yourself that this is just how I eat during the week, that's, that's just what I do now, and if it becomes, oh, I'm doing this thing now Monday to Friday during the week, um, then that's going to be a really great way of making sure that you're really consistent with it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, seed cycling, on the other hand, when we start to use different seeds that we eat in our diet to balance hormones, that we do change throughout the month. So I don't know, yeah, if you haven't heard of seed cycling before, I really recommend anyone who's watching this, you you can literally just Google it. You'll also get beautiful images come up and you can save one of those to your phone. It is such a simple way of using food as herbal medicine to support healthy hormones okay Mm. and so what it looks like is you've got four different seeds so there's flax seeds sesame pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds and so usually I say to people just go and buy all four seeds and put them in four different jars (laughs) and so day one being day one of your period Mm -hmm. is week is going to be week one and so for that week only you're gonna have one tablespoon of one of the seeds, and then week two you're swapping to one tablespoon of the other seeds, and so forth. So with the seeds we're cycling, and that is a way of getting that natural flow and dance of balance of when we want estrogen higher, progesterone lower, and then vice versa, etc. Just using seeds, and think about you know a seed as that little seed that later comes into you know the ovaries as well and you start to get why there's so much nutrients from a seed because that's where something grows from and then from your ovaries as well where something grows from so it's so a beautiful way of nature mimicking what's happening for us and showing how connected we really are to nature and how mm. nature really is there to help us grow and help us heal yeah it's, it always amazes me
0: oh it's so beautiful And just so true. It just rings so true, obviously. Um, Beautiful. I love that. I will have to look up seed cycling. Okay. So um, anything else for birth that you want to share about? Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So now this is the thing. A lot of women, of course, will see me when they're ready for baby to evacuate. And they're like, hold on. You've been in here long enough. You know, I'm enjoying this, but I think it's time you meet the world. Um, And, of course, yes, we know babies do come when they're ready. However, um, when I see a woman as well who's been given, you know, like this baby needs to come out by this time and it's really not going to do this by itself, then there are certain herbs that we can use there. Now, I'm not a fan of using castor oil in that situation because I find that, it's more likely to have the baby do its meconium too early is the biggest reason. So I really avoid castor oil. Evening cream rose oil, on the other hand, is beautiful for softening the uterus, opening the uterus. So we can do evening cream rose oil preparing for birth a couple of weeks before. You can get a liquid in some cases and put it on top of your food You can also do evening primrose oil internally and it is so safe, it is so gentle, it is such a beautiful way of helping that cervix start to relax and helping the uterus start to relax as well. So that's going to be one gentle way that's really safe of getting baby to, to be able to drop down a bit further and get that cervix to open during birth now this is a really fun time um and this is a time when you definitely want to be tuning in to you know what feels right for you as well um what can be really good is to have some what I call medicine milks made up in the fridge so you'd get a liter of any kind of milk um you know, it could be a cow's milk that's what you drink. It could be almond milk. And you get some dried lavender and you're going to steep it, almost like you're making a try. So mm. it would put in a good teaspoon of lavender. I know some of you might be thinking this sounds good. Other people are like, no, that does not sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, I like making less lavender milk. The other thing I do is a good teaspoon of fennel. So we do a good teaspoon of lavender, a good teaspoon of fennel. It becomes quite potent. So what we're doing is the lavender is going to help all the muscles be able to contract and be really calm. The fennel is is preparing the breast milk, but it's also helping with the digestive system and that smooth muscle that's going Mm. forward as well. And then we put in a teaspoon of turmeric as well because we're wanting to really keep um, everything flowing. We're wanting to keep pain as minimal as we can as well. And you can sweeten this. It's something that you could start drinking, like, it's hard to know, a week before your due date, Mm -hmm. and that you can drink during labor as well. So, medicine milks, I love them. I love using them for a range of different things. They're great for when women, you know, get painful periods, for example. We have different medicine milks in the fridge, but they're also really amazing coming to birth and also really amazing during birth. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, during birth, anything with calcium and magnesium is going to be really beneficial as well while all these muscles are contracting. So that's part of why these medicine milks are really effective if we're using a milk that's either high in calcium, fortified with calcium, that's going to be really beneficial to us as well with all that muscle contracting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, do what feels right for you. Some women are going to be very, very open to drinking during labour and be like, yes, I'm happy to drink this milk. Other people are like, no, nope, that's going to make me feel quite ill right now. So it's definitely going to be whatever intuitively feels right to you. But it is a beautiful, beautiful drink to have that's going to work really beautifully on getting those muscles to do what they know how to do. Would you drink
0: this cold or warm or is it just up to you? What do you feel like?
1: Look, I mean, it's definitely going to be up to you, but ideally warm, so not hot, but like room temperature warm is going to be more ideal than, say, having it cold where, you know, it's more work for the digestive system. Having it hot is not going to be practical. Um, most of the time, but warm is going to be more soothing. It's going to be absorbed more readily as well. Beautiful. And then, yeah, save the magnesium for topical magnesium oils, creams, sprays. Mm. Um, but yeah, think calcium magnesium, think muscle contraction, and any herb that's safe like the lavender the fennel the turmeric where we're starting to support that muscle contraction as well
0: beautiful lovely tip and very nurturing
1: yes yes beautiful. beautiful.
0: do you have anything else for birth or should we pop into the postpartum
1: let's let's go postpartum yeah
0: yeah so what do you have in store for us here
1: yeah, um, well, like we mentioned before, I love giving every new mother postpartum ashwagandha or withania because there is these beautiful studies suggesting that it supports baby's healthy weight range, and that just sounds like an amazing thing that can be done by one simple herb. But it's also going to help replenish mum. We use withania, if people who've got low iron or anemia because it's nourishing to the red blood cells. So, Mm. you know, an ideal time to be taking this herb. Mm. A lot of women also do really well with some Chateauvary as well postpartum, not because we're wanting to rush into doing anything but because, as we know, there is going to be this drop in hormones. Mm. And Chateauvary helps with the production of sex hormones Mm. again, which, um, you know, are really important for mood and energy in general. So those two together do work really well. And then we're starting to get into personalised herbs that help with breast milk production and going to help mum recover as well. Mm. And this is very individual. Because we know that um, low iron and low blood sugar, for example, do and stress can all impact on breast milk. So when I'm making a tincture for a mother postpartum, I'm considering everything that's happening for her and how how her birth has flowed as well. But in general, once again, you can't go wrong with fennel, you can't go wrong with a little bit of blessed thistle. Even St Mary's, once again, because it is one of those herbs that can be taken long-term and it does help with breast milk production, it is going to help that liver as it's building through, you know, navigating the hormone changes. If there's been a lot of medications used during labour as well, then St Mary's is going to be really effective in helping those come out of the mother's system more effectively. Mm. Um, but we're also wanting to rebuild and re-nourish as well. So um, even Romania can be a really beautiful herb for a mother who just feels really flat, who's lost a lot of blood. Rumania, um, a little bit of um, another herb called codonopsis as well. If a mother's lost a lot of blood, it helps re-nourish the blood as well. Mm. Um so yeah, just about giving mum and baby as much support as we can. Sometimes postpartum as well, a mum might see me and she's having a lot of trouble sleeping, even when the baby goes to sleep. Yeah. And she, you know, she's worried that she doesn't want to sleep too deeply then either. because She wants to be able to hear her baby, which is all absolutely. Understandable and how nature has designed us. But then the herb Sisyphus is safe during breastfeeding. It will help you just relax gently for sleep, but you will still be able to hear your baby if you need to. So that is um, one herb that can be indicated sometimes as well. Sisyphus. Yeah. Sisyphus. Yeah. Sisyphus, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, it's um, that one is a Chinese herb originally. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very beautiful. It's yeah, so beautiful I do know
0: color. a lot of mamas who who can struggle with the sleeping. Um, first it can be mm. that high that you have after birth if you had a natural birth, and and mm. all the hormones are just going crazy, and you're so in love with your newborn baby, and you just can't sleep that first
1: mm-hmm. night
0: or or if after having a baby, and then you kind of become overtired. I know some mamas who become that overtired and just can't really fully let go, fully fall asleep, and that's, this could definitely be a good, a good thing for them.
1: Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's really gentle. So you you could have this as a tincture, or because it's traditionally a Chinese medicine herb, if you find the dried herb, you can actually make like a syrup using dates and hot mm. water and the sizzafest together, and then you can drink that as well. So it depends on what you can kind of find and, and what's going to be available to you. But um, yeah, there is those two different ways. Beautiful.
0: Mm. Yeah. What else do you have us for us postpartum? Is there anything else you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I guess um, it just depends on on the birth as well but um especially when we're looking at that uterus coming back to size and some women will get after birth pains and some will hardly get any as well um so continuing your red raspberry leaf after birth is really valuable for a lot of women so mm-hmm. we like we were saying before because we're so used to drugs which have a very one-way action you only take this specific period of time it's harder for us to imagine that herbs can be taken in many different ways so a lot of women I meet they'll take the red raspberry leaf going, this is just preparing me for birth and then they stop and it's like actually it has prepared your uterus but it's also fantastic to take for that week afterwards as the uterus has then still got work to do in getting itself to come back to size and red raspberry leaf really does support that it helps that happen quicker it helps that happen less painful as well so that's really mm. important
0: it's interesting mm-hmm. you say that with pain because it usually is that um the more babies you have the more afterbirth pains you experience and so it might get worse and worse uh, the more babies you have and so raspberry leaf tea you say is good is there anything else that can be a natural kind of painkiller in case you do have you know this is your fifth baby or something and you do feel like this is strong
1: yeah i mean so the topic of pain in general is actually really good because I, it just triggers my memory. I do have a lot of women who experience pain even during pregnancy and they're like, oh, "A lot can I take? Mm. Um, and it is tricky. There's, there isn't a lot you can take. <laughs> but what you can do is remember that fish oil and flaxseed oil and the omega-3s are high anti-inflammatories and they also are muscle relaxants so whether that's in pregnancy or whether that's uh, after birth pain really do the highest dose you can with your ultra clean fish oil or with your flaxseed oil Mm. Um, it sounds simple it will make a difference and magnesium as well safe during pregnancy it's safe during breastfeeding also can be used to help reduce pain as well. So I always say go really hard on your fish oil and your magnesium if you're getting back pain during pregnancy, if you're getting headaches, if you're getting some kind of pain and with afterbirth pains as well. Um, Yes, I can imagine the more babies you have, the more the uterus is like, oh, this is getting a lot of work for me to stretch and come back again. I've done this before. Um, So... (laughs) hear it talking almost so yeah that does make sense so lots of fish oil lots of magnesium if it was quite severe you could do small doses of valerian as well because that's fantastic as being a smooth muscle relaxant but it is also quite calming as well as we know we use it for sleep so it just wouldn't be something that we would want for a long period of time while breastfeeding or we wanted a really high dose, it would absolutely be safe when you, you consider how many medications are still considered safe during breastfeeding and after birth. So I don't want to create fear for anybody. Mm. I just want to say that, um, yeah, it would just be something you'd have short-term until the afterbirth pains. had would you use that during pregnancy as well? Valerian, oh, Look, once again, only if you really needed it. Mm. And I would do it as a tea, not a tablet or a tea um, And what you can do with Filarion as a tea is actually make it into like a hot chocolate. Oh. And that would be good because you're getting some magnesium as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yummy. Um, yeah, it definitely can be. It definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and then postpartum you you're safe to start using any of your mushrooms again as well so you you can you know if you want to do your lion's mane because you feel like your brain needs a bit of replenishment after pregnancy then that can be a fantastic idea I see a lot of breastfeeding mums using lion's mane because they're like hold on my brain really needs some support and there's some beautiful research coming out showing that using lion's mane does help with that Um, brain loss that can happen during pregnancy if you know there's had to be a lot of nutrients past the baby and mum's brain has just had to miss out a little bit so (laughs) that is a real thing. Yes, 100% (laughs) Yes,
0: 100% <laughs> totally in breastfeeding brain continuously. So beautiful. Thank you so much. You've given us so much information, so much valuable information. Um, if you had a first time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby, what advice and pearls of wisdoms would you give to her?
1: Oh, to absolutely trust yourself and and feel completely safe and to know you've got so many options and to feel really confident in them. Herbal medicine has been used by women for millennia Mm. and for good reason and it's used by majority of the world's population at the moment. During pregnancy. So it's something you can absolutely feel safe in doing and do what intuitively feels right to you. Mm.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Monica, the organic naturopath, for coming on and chatting with us and sharing such a wealth of knowledge. I know I will be listening to this uh, episode over and over again to remind myself of all this amazing information that you've given us.
1: Thank you so much. It's been so much fun and such a great topic and of course just remember um always doing what's right for you as an individual as well
0: yeah thank you and seek support you know there's so many amazing naturopaths um probably close to where you live wherever you are in the world and and reach out and book in with a consultation and and get your specialized personalized um plan thank you thank you monica Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it. grade it on iTunes and leave a comment. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me on Facebook as The Spiritual Midwife or on Instagram as The Underscore Spiritual Underscore Midwife. Thank you for listening.